Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. I'm Chris with Marco and Tad. We're back for week 24. How are you guys doing? Much better this week. <laughs> Feeling good, man. Yeah. No I, uh, no recovery needed uh, for this week, I hope. Well, in stark contrast to what happened uh, last weekend with the bachelor party, this weekend I took it easy, and the highlight of my weekend was I went to my niece's four-year-old Valentine's Day. My four-year-old niece's, not a four-year-old party, a party for a four-year-old, and I went antiquing with Leslie. So uh, Tell you what, man. That's good stuff. I spent $12 on an antique bread box. Not as much drinking involved in antiquing, I hope. No, <laughs> not, not nearly as much. All right, but you can't, you're saying that the Grammys were not your highlight here? Uh, that happened last night. You guys Team Adele or Team Beyonce? Team Sturgill Simpson. All Look, right. I love watching. I always get hyped up for the Grammys. Um, big music fan. And then about halfway through the Grammys, I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> this thing's always too drawn out. Some of the performances in the beginning are always nice, but then it's just they just are sucking the money out of out of this show at, at the end of it. I mean, I'm not a huge Bruno Mars fan, but I really like his tribute to Prince. Um, anybody that knows me knows that Prince is my all-time favorite. Actually, I was with Chris Ross. We went to uh, Chris Ross, the boss, and I went up and saw Bruce, the boss, play in Baltimore. And on the train ride back to D.C., uh, that's when we found out Prince died, and I had to do everything I could not to cry like a baby in front of Chris Ross. That's it. That was definitely a, a moment. I remember that very well. So I was glad to see that the Grammys honored him. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Adele, man, uh, just uh, messing up the song. And, and uh, Marco, you're a musician, right? It happens to the best of them. It happens to the best of them, especially her. She she had like a, a mix-up, I think it was last year or at some performance, and I think that's why this time she said, let's stop. Uh, I got to redo it because she was um, oh, she was doing a tribute for George Michaels. Yeah. yeah. All I, Cut, all I killed gotta, it, by the way. Yeah. Great, great song. Good all cover. I got to say is, Adele, if you mess up, just remember, you got to have faith. Yep. Yep. Well done, Adele. Uh, she did it right. And uh, proud of her for that. Also, our Sicilian sister was in there as well. She covered with Metallica. Uh, so a little bit of Italian action there. Some sound problems there. Metallica's mic, like the guy's uh, mic wasn't wasn't working, and then he got all pissed off at the end of it. And, uh, you know. What a, what a bunch of hacks at the Grammys. Tell you what, <laughs> we don't have that many sound problems. That's right. That's right. Good point, Marco. And uh, so for Lady Gaga, a nice smooth transition here from uh, one Italian uh, comment to another. Curve America is going to be on the road a little bit this week, guys. Uh, we're going to be out meeting some... Uh, Paisani, I guess, uh, out in D.C. Marco, you probably got the details. Yeah, we're going to be at Parlay Sports Bar down in, in the middle of D.C. in the heart there. And we're going to be watching the Villarreal game first with Roma Club. And then we're going to be doing a little happy hour. It's supposed to be like a sports event theme so that the, the Italian community can, can network and, and figure out the different events that are out there, including listening to your Curva Medica podcast every week. Plenty of good tickets still available uh, for this one and Wayne Stock. Um, 
I, th- I thought this was an autograph signing, guys. I thought yes, that's how you got me committed. Well, if anyone wants our autograph, we will happily sign some napkins or something. What am I going to do with this stack of eight by tens I printed <laughs> off today? You got your photo back there. All right. Yeah, I mean that's 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 after antiquing. I went and had some glossies printed off. <laughs> All right. Well, Tad will be uh, there with his eight by ten. I like that. Uh, yeah. So speaking of uh, Serie A, we're going to be there for the Villarreal game and. Uh, um, so we'll be there for, for an Italian soccer game there. So we hope you can attend that as well. But we also want to talk about, there was an article last week that came out about Serie A being the fourth most entertaining league in the world. We lost points because crowd attendance. Uh, so that's an issue. But uh, what do you guys think about this? Does uh, Serie A rank fourth or, or is this just wrong and they should be first? I, I don't know. For me, um, while you know Real Madrid and... Barcelona and uh, Atletico are, are you know excellent teams that deserve all the notoriety they get. I just really don't see the Spanish league as entertaining because they have so many bad teams. Now, doesn't mean that Italy doesn't have its fair share of bad teams. I mean, obviously, you got to rank EPL number one. Right. EPL has the most money. They have superstars, even on bad teams. Uh, you know, the crowd is every game for every stadium are crazy, um, you know, has the best coverage. Like you you watch the EPL and NBC here as, you know, it's like watching an NFL game. Uh, it's amazing coverage. You know, the, the German teams toward the bottom are really boring and, and, and tough to watch. Um, the Germans don't play defense very well. So I would say that on any given day, the Syria should be bouncing around between second, third or fourth. I just don't think it's it's as clear cut as the, as an article can put out that like hey because of these metrics like fan attendance which has absolutely nothing to do with the excitement of the league just means people in Italy don't maybe have enough enough money to go to the stadium or you know they prefer to watch at home it has nothing to do with the actual excitement of the game I've been in Italy and you can be in a small town and I'm in a goal scores you know the whole roof blows off the whole town so I don't think it's as clear cut. I'm going to done rambling on, but uh, uh, I think Italy it, it, on its best day can can be in the in the top three. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, you know, I, I think that it can be in the top three, four, you know, pe- putting it behind Bundesliga. I mean, again, it's it's all a, a perspective thing. It's if you like to see tactical soccer, this is the what this is the place to see it. You know, Italian said, yeah, and this year. You know, you're starting to see the youth. I can I can see the Italian league climbing up the ranks a little bit. We just need a little bit more uh, international recognition. So doing well in Europa League and Champions League. I take the point here with uh, crowd attendance matters. Uh, just think of it, you know, if you're at Cameron Indoor Arena or something for a Duke basketball game, it's exciting in there because it's so packed. Everyone's on top of each other. And Serie A just doesn't have it. They got 60,000 seat stadiums with ten or 15,000 people in it. Just also from like an MLS perspective, right? When the Metro Stars were playing in Giant Stadium, 50,000 seat arena and only 10,000 there, it wasn't as much fun. But now Red Bull Arena is a cool place to watch a game. I do think it matters. And and so it dovetails nicely into uh, something we're all interested in here. We talked about it last week, Famoso Stadio, the effort by uh, Roma with uh, making Stadio della Roma. Hopefully that comes true and, and more Frankly, more Serie A teams follow suit because uh, I think it would make the league better if there were smaller smaller arenas. 
Yeah, I mean, just in general, modernizing the game, coverage, you know, uh, the stadium capacities, shrinking them a little bit, um, you know, enhancing the environment is is a big thing. So, famos to stadio. Yep. I think we're going to jump down. Uh, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. We're recording this on Monday. Um, so we want to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day out there. Uh, we, we hope that you can enjoy spending your, your uh, special day with us uh, when this comes out on Wednesday, a day, a day after. Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a good Valentine's Day this year. I just uh, got to make sure to edit the podcast before hanging out with the lady because, you know, you can't be eating Valentine's Day dinner and then being like, oh, I need to take a break. She's like, you need to take a break or you need to come to the room? I need to edit my podcast. Hold on. Yeah, we now know who the uh, the mistress in the Charles House is. It's it's Crew of America, <laughs> guys. When you come, when you guys come to the uh, the wedding hashtag Roma Wedding Derby, one of the activities is a tour that I'm giving, and the uh, the church that the Mouth of Truth is in, uh, one of the famous Roman Roman sites for not being anywhere near as cool as the plethora of other sites i used to be so scared to put my hand in there Boca de la verita there you well, go. inside that church there is supposedly the head of saint valentine so when we go there i'll point it out there's a skull uh behind an altar and according to the catholic church that saint valentine who used to marry christians in private back in the second century uh when christianity was illegal during the reign of Demission, I believe. Yes. Nice. All right. We'll have to fact check that. It's been three <laughs> years. The son of Espazian Demission. He was he was kind of a jerk. No one liked him. Hated Christians. Killed Christians. So on that bright note, let's jump to our social. Christians were losers. Bar crawl later. <laughs> on that bright note, let's jump to social media and AS Roma 360. As always, we encourage everybody find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And Fabio at CurveAmerica.com and ASRoma360.com. That's a website uh, that we've partnered and collaborated with. Uh, you can find our podcast on there as well. Um, rate and comment on. Hold, hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check to see if we got any more comments from last week. <laughs> no. Still, still stuck on that 13 comments, guys. So get out there. Get right. out the Curve American Army. That's Guys, right. speaking of, of social media and, and ran Instagram random things, I saw the coolest video on social media this week. It was uh, a Jaguar. And I was like, "This, what's going on here? And the Jaguar is stalking an animal. Little did I know, the Jaguar jumps in the water and comes out with a freaking six-foot alligator in its mouth. Just so everyone knows, if you see a Jaguar out in the streets turn the other way walk do not run to your nearest uh hiding place unless you're in jacksonville then they're entirely harmless (laughs) (laughs) good good nice all right it is going to be a crazy time of year for us uh probably until the end of the season here and so we got a lot of games to just kind of highlight real quick before we get to week 24 we're going to talk about some of the makeup games that we had uh last week europa and champions so, Marco, why don't you run us through what happened last week uh, in the midweek? So, last week, uh, Crotone had a absolutely packed house. They even had people faking sick at the nearby hospital so they could be on looking onto the stadium. Uh, but they did lose 2-0, <laughs> and uh, Juventus really had their way. 
with them. That's that story was all over like U.S. media too. So check it out. Some guy faked a, an illness so he could just watch the game. Uh, Juve fans, we love you guys. Well, my two things about this is one. How about Crotone this week, man? What a week you get! To, well, a week for you. You get uh, you get Juventus, the top team in the Serie A, come to town during the midweek, and then you have uh, Roma come on the weekend. So tons of stars coming through. And my other question is, what in the hell was on Allegri's face? He had like he had this band aid in the middle of his forehead because you know he's got like that mole there. Yeah. I mean, was he like picking at it or something? I mean, it's just just ugh. Hopefully nothing too serious there. I mean, I think Diego Perotti was like, thank God, man. I mean, I'd rather have this nasty tattoo on my neck than, than whatever is between that guy's eyes. Nice to mull you. And then uh, Milan downs Bologna 1-0. They actually went down to nine men, but they're still able to get the win. I think uh, Montella even said they were down to eight and a half men at one point. So um, First time in Syria uh, since 1994-1995 that a team down nine down to nine men won a game. All right, so there's some uh, some of the makeup games there. Juventus now no longer has a game in hand, so the the table looks as it should right now. Um, so just keep that in mind every time you take a glance at it. This week we break into uh, the Europe tournaments again. We got Europa and Champions League starting up. We got some Serie A teams playing in them. We we got a lot of teams, which is a good thing. Why don't we start off with uh, champions because they're the uh, the bigger tournament of the two. Yes, and on Wednesday you have Real Madrid and Napoli. They're playing at the Bernabeu. Oh yeah, that's going to be a good one. And uh, we'll go into a little bit more depth later on with that. And then Juventus goes to Portugal. They play against Porto. I think they're going to be the favorites there. Still can't I can't even think of Porto without shuddering, considering the the play in game against Roma. <laughs> All right, so there's champions. What do we got for Europa? In Europa, we also have two Italian teams. Uh, on Thursday, Fiorentina is going to go away to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Very good. I really yeah, can't I'm, say I'm that. with that. All right, and uh, then Roma goes to Villarreal. So I think all in all. It's better to go uh, away first game because you know you, you you know you come back to your home fans and the hype uh, on the away leg. How can the Bundesliga be more exciting than the Serie A with a team named Mönchengladbach? <laughs> yeah, tough one to say. Agreed. So real quick, guys, uh, we're excited. This is what you play for all season, right? Making it into uh, the Europa tournaments. How do you feel about Serie A teams going into this first leg of uh, both Europa and Champions? I'm feeling great. Um, I think the Roma Villarreal one, I was surprised that we got them on the draw. So I've been circling this one as a, a real true test for Roma. Um, Fiorentina, again, you know, as, as, as hard as it is to play at Mönchengladbach or whatever, um, Fiorentina, when they're on, are really good, really, really fun to watch. And obviously the Champions League, like Napoli, Real Madrid has to be the most exciting draw for me at this point. And Juventus, I mean, they spent all the money. They got this crazy formation they've been rocking. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see if they can just whip a team and move on and get some momentum. I agree with all that. Uh, overall, I think uh, Italian teams are, you know, they're in a good position to have some success in Europe this year. Really looking forward to Napoli Real. Uh, hoping Napoli can uh, can uh, shake up the world. That'd be cool. The, the army of ants that is Napoli. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, guys, let's go. We got our wine, water, beers all lined up. Tad, my first beer since last week. Tad, what are you drinking here? I got this. Oh, shout out to Star Hill Brewery um, outside of Charlottesville. When I was down there antiquing and partying with four-year-olds, I popped in the brewery, picked up a picked up a, a, a few cans and a growler. So Star Hill Brewery, the starriest of hills. <laughs> Very good. Marco, you got your olive oil. And uh, what else you got? You're drinking the Star Hill as well, yeah? Yeah, Star Hills and uh, water in a DC flag cup. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, I got my wine. I'm going up to the Piemonte region this time, and it's Ottone the First, named after an emperor that Tad probably gave a tour on, and uh, it's all right this week. I don't. Looks like that that wine bottle's actually maybe more than six dollars this time. <laughs> yeah, definitely was more uh, than my first go around. Is that sure. is that carbonated frizzy wine again? There, no, no boss, just straight from the Piemonte region. Last it's, time he was reading off the box. Yeah. <laughs> So hey, it's got some Italian on it, too. So uh, hope everyone else out there uh, cracks open whatever you got. And uh, sit back, relax. Let's get into the rundown. Only one tie this week in the entire Serie A. Fatboy G and Dzeko emerge at the top of the Capo Cononieri standings. Napoli get goals from unexpected players. And Belotti is emerging as the new face of Italian soccer. Sassuolo getting Bobby Englished, and rumors continue to swirl about Allegri's future. So guys, let's go right to the top five. Up first, we got Juve, as always, playing my favorite word, Cagliari. Nailed it. 2-0 for Juve in this game. They're riding the wave of Iguain's belly rolls for the fifth straight win. Yeah, Juve continue to rock and roll. Um, But actually, this game opens up with a little bit of alarm for Juventus as Chiellini, Purple Pie Man, City Miles... Um, get subbed off for Ugani in the 18th minute. And it's not really certain whether it's because of injury or because he had to return to the high tin palace to oversee his plans of stealing all the berries in strawberry land. He was missing his gargoyle friends up in the tower. Well, shortly after the the attention returns back to Santalea, where Iguain scores uh, in true fat boy G fashion, basically perfectly timing a run and receiving just a good old fashioned Marquisio dime. Chips the goalie at an impossible angle on his first touch. Boom, 1-0 Juve. And then Fat Man and Robin. Who are, who are these guys? Iguain and uh, Dybala. Dybala does the whole math thing when he scores. Fat Boy G, Fat Man. Hmm? Yeah, stretch. Fat We're, Man and Robin. Fat Man and Robin team up for a second goal when basically Quadrado, who behind Salah is probably the fastest guy in Serie A, just blows away the uh, Sardi back line on a deep pass. He dishes it to Dybala as he falls down, who just lays it off perfectly to Iguain. You know, it wasn't my favorite shot. Marco tends to not agree with me on this one. It looks like the keeper, Raphael, it basically looks like a rookie keeper holding his breath, like not even breathing. Um, and Juve go up 2-0 as Roma and Napoli fans begin to, you know, we all begin to start hyping Palermo's chances in Week 25. That but. was a tough finish, man. What do you think? It's easy to stay on balance when you got half your body swinging one way and half the other just turning contorting 
He's a chubby man. You know? it's I, I would have said this story would have gotten old by now, but after that Instagram post of him when he tried to shrink his own abs on... Oh, he's, he's, he's begging for it. I mean, yeah. like... He basically looks like Homer Simpson out there in his in a zebra shirt. Yeah. And all is lost for Calorie when Barella stamps Pjanic, picks up his second yellow, and leaves the pitch with you know with this look on his face like when you come home to find out your dog has pooped in your bed. Where is Pepper? <laughs> Pooping in the bed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having having that look on his face like he's just picked up a second yellow. <laughs> So guys, this is five straight wins for Juventus with their new, you know, four three four two three one um, formation. You know, I mean, Cagliari just wasn't in this game. They were only really able to create chances from set pieces. Uh, they did get thirteen shots on goal, but that's mainly because they had six corners um, and five Juve yellow cards. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I guess it was good to see Barbo subbed on for Borrello. Maybe. Uh trying to get spark some hope in in uh Cagliari's eyes but Ibarbo is just generally a mediocre player anyways I think that Marquisio had a great game he uh you know he he had that first assist it was an incredible ball to to Higuain and I think you know we've mentioned it before but he's really one of the keys of this team it, it just goes to show how much depth they have that you know he's kind of been in and out of the season yeah, it's good to get him have a break in on a on a play a team like Cagliari. Give him the start. He does get subbed off for Pjanic, um, as as we mentioned, because he got stamped. But you know, Iguain guys just so dominant lately. Seven goals in his last seven games. Yeah, and it just all the articles say just uh, his standard goal. I mean, really was just running onto it, flicks it right to the corner, and that's that's how he scores uh, and why he's in the Capo Cononieri race. Right, he's a poacher. But Juventus, guys, you know, the other things in the news is apparently they're preparing like this massive bid for Alexi Sanchez, them or PSG. I know it's a really early on transfer rumor, but, you know, in this past transfer window, they were linked to a Verratti move back to Italy. You know, you know, and currently right now, they're seven points clear in first place to basically get their six straight Scudetto. And if you were a gambling person, if you had to bet your life, I think you bet that Juventus is coming away with the Scudetto, but it appears they are planning for a at least one big, huge summer move. If they get a big summer signing, is it too early to be thinking 10 straight Scudetti for Juventus? Definitely, especially when you see the likes of, of the rest of the Serie A really starting to beef up. I think Inter this year, with the players they got, now that they have new owners, they're going to get some some cash flow in there. Roma, always dangerous. Let's see what happens throughout the season. But getting Alexi Sanchez would be awesome for Serie A because he'd be returning, remember? And uh, he's an amazing player. And honestly, Juve is always good for at least two major signings. So it's very possible. Yeah, I don't think Juve is always the favorite until uh, Napoli and Roma do something big. Uh, maybe Marcus, I think you said uh, Inter with the players they got, but uh, until the rest of the league catches up to Juve, I mean that. They're, yeah, they're like they're basically like the Golden State Warriors right now. If they if they sign Alexi Sanchez, that's getting Kevin Durant. Right. I mean, and then you look at it: is is there anybody that can stand their way? I mean, how is Roma or Napoli going to be able to match that low sign? Like, let's say if Ibra comes to Napoli, maybe they got more of a chance where they're, I mean, like Drace Mertens, Marco even said a couple weeks ago, is going to be the most sought after, one of the most sought after players in the, in the summer transfer window. You know, last year they took 
Iguain and Pjanic from Na- Napoli and Roma. So I think if if they get a big massive person like this, like it's just it's just over. It's it's going to take a rash of injuries or an incredible form by Inter, Roma, or Napoli for for anybody to even challenge for for next year for certain. But ten in a row, man. You know, they picked up all that that depth in the defense. So what do you think? There's going to be like a swap deal, Allegri for uh, Alexis Sanchez? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's such an interesting thing. I mean, Allegri, he refuses to confirm or deny that he's spoken with Arsenal, which is such a weird, you know, clandestine thing to say. I mean, why not just come out and be like, hey, I'm no comment, you know, whatever. I guess that's kind of what a non-confirming or denying is. But, you know, he also said that he wants to coach like 400 games. So you're getting all these sorts of mixed signals. Um, you know, is I mean, is Arsenal a bigger coaching job than Juventus? I think EPL is. You just have to concede. We, we said at the top of the podcast that EPL is at the top right now. Uh, but as far as, the, you know, champions and everything like that, I think Juve is the bigger. You, know, you have a better chance of winning champions with Juve than you do Arsenal. Yeah, well, you may you might be able to make more money at Arsenal, and you're going to a different league. We all saw what's going on with Conte. He's making a real name for himself, you know, even though he had already made a name for himself. It's like you you almost elevate yourself when you go to the Premier League for that uh, to that extent. But I mean, do you think there's any shot? I mean, you know, we talked last week about like Arsene Wenger basically being buried underneath the Emirates Stadium. You know, but there's he's serving bands every you know every year. It seems like he's out of there. Do you think there's any chance that he's going at the end of the year? This week, I saw that uh, I think he's getting fed up with the rumors year after year that f- close friends of his say like, "Well, the end is coming at some point." Uh, that's the only reason I give a little bit more credence to it. But it's the EPL. Who cares? <laughs> I would say that you know, with the amount of attention that Italian coaches are getting these days. You know, Ancelotti's running the league in, in in Germany. You have Conte bringing a new system to the Premier League. Ranieri won it last year. I mean, Allegri's top of the league. I think that there's a shift. I mean, people like Italian coaches, and the same way that Conte was able to turn Chelsea around, it's very possible that one would look at an Allegri and say, hey, you know, Maybe maybe it's time that we get a tactician on on our hands. So you know, there's Italian coaches everywhere too. Walter Marzari. I mean, they're all over the place, and uh, I think they're a hot commodity right now. And I believe it's pronounced Zidane. <laughs> yeah, I also saw a brief rumor uh, on Twitter that you know Spalletti might be in the in the talks as well. Did you guys see that? Nope. Yeah, I, I think that's a little <laughs> premature, but. Uh, you just see, once the transfer market ends, we need more uh, you, you alternative look, news. You look at Allegri, like he's kind of pale. You look at uh, you, you look at Spalletti. He doesn't he doesn't like get too far away from the sun. <laughs> you know, I mean, how are he's he's a swashbuckler, so maybe that'd be the only reason to recruit another pirate crew with the way that man looks. But yeah. I'm too hyped on Spalletti right now. He's not going anywhere. All right, so we got Juve in first, as we all know, and my favorite word, Cagliari. Way down there in 15th with 27 points. Still doing better than both y'all promoted teams. Fair point. Let's uh, talk about Spalletti's team, Roma. And they play my second favorite team of uh, the Serie A this week, Crotone. This one finished 0-2 in the Romanisti's favor. Roma, the second team to come through Crouton Village this week to outclass and beat them 2-0. Absolutely. 
So we got our, our uh, favorite striker, Mohamed Salah, back this game, guys. And what did we learn about Checo? Yeah, well, after a first half dominated by Roma's short passing game, Jekyll misses a PK, <laughs> 17th minute. You know, looking at everyone's reaction, it's it's kind of like nothing happened. It's weird. You know, Strootman comes up to him, pats Jekyll on the back. You know, you look at Jekyll's face, doesn't really have a reaction. That's it's what I like thought, too. No reaction. It's like, oh, it's just another day in Jekyll's uh, striker world. And after the game, you know, I was kind of glad to see that Jekyll said, no more penalties for me. Yeah. So it's like, thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, who who would you had rather had take this penalty rather than Jekko? Nangolan at this point, but actually Strootman. Strootman. Yeah. Maybe, um, Salah, I only hesitate on that because he's back uh, after the African Cup, but uh, it's just somebody else. Checo just, I've been saying it all season. I'm not convinced he knows where the ball's going. Uh, I'm rooting for him, but I, I just don't believe that he knows where it's going. I got up to watch this game at 6 30 in the morning. This is the first thing that happens, and I was like, oh, man, really? I got out of bed for this. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Nangolan, he scores an absolutely amazing goal uh, right before the half. He gets the receives the ball spinning in the box, shoots past two converging defenders in the corner. I mean, true class. And this guy, I don't know if he scores normal goals. So even if it's a, a small, short, you know, slot to the back of the corner, it's it's got some quality in it. Uh, second half was basically completely run by Roma keeping the ball. They play it out wide to Salah, and you know you could just smell the goal coming because what happens is. At a certain point, you're saturated with the amount of chances that Jekyll can miss. And in fact, <laughs> he finally taps one in after there was a sick play from Paredes. He chips the ball over to Salah. It was like the third or fourth play that was the same thing. Crotona just could not figure it out. And all of a sudden, Jekyll taps away his 18th goal of the, se- of the season. He's at the top of the charts, reminiscent to 2008-2009 scoring form where he got 26 goals for Wolfsburg. I mean... I'm going to start calling him the mouse face killer because he looks like a rat and he's out for that cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I had the same reaction too after he missed the PK. Uh, No reaction. I didn't see one anyway after he scored the goal. Uh, So maybe it's all the same to Checo, but you're right. He he has 18 goals. How about uh, poor Crouton Nation here? Just uh, two immense games. Uh, The two giants, Roma and Juve, coming down to their... Stadio Etia Shidia down in uh, the metropolis of Crotone. Well, unfortunately, Crotone staled their own bread because uh, I th- think, you know, Paladino probably would have made a huge impact on both of these games, and we might have seen a, a different result. Yeah, but look, guys, this this is what you love. You know, the small team, they got the high school stadium. Yeah, I mean, like watching this game, man, it, it seemed like, you know, there was a, a kid on work study who had like a handheld camera on his shoulder <laughs> you know, showing the game. The angles were just un- un- unbelievably low. Uh, my my fellow croutons, team. <laughs> my fellow croutons, stay strong out there. Uh, but this was not our week. So. Tickets are free and beers a euro. <laughs> that's Pis- that's Piscara. That's not us. All right, how about uh, back to Roma, though, guys? Uh, the formation here. We got Manolas, Rudiger, and Fazio in the back. What do you guys uh, think overall? You like this uh, this lineup for us? I, I got to tell you, I was as I was watching this game, you know, I was watching, uh, you know, Facinelli uh, just tr- get going. He was probably their most dangerous player for the Croutons. And they were trying, you know. Croutons, as, as kind of lackluster as they are, 
you know, they're at home, big crowd, lots of energy going up against Manolas, Rudiger, and Fazio. I'm like, dude, these are like those big dudes and mighty ducks, the ones that could slap the ball, the puck like 400 miles Sma- an hour. The Bash Brothers. The Bash Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers? Yeah. Iceland. Team Iceland. No, 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 no. The Bash Brothers. Yeah, the, the Bash, Bash Brothers. brothers yeah. Oh, oh, I got gotcha. you. And then you On got the Mighty Ducks. And then you got the 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 midfield that has Strootman, Ninja in there, Paredes, but you know usually De Rossi in there. I mean, it, it just makes me think. Like, are we elite? Because I think we are. You know, I mean, we have the top goal scorer in the league. We have a sick defense made up of big massive players who can play the ball and win headers and and create chances and then our midfield is just my favorite midfield in the world right now obviously but it's just dynamic and uh, a couple pacey wingers with skill i mean i just don't really see a big weak weakness in in rome other than the overall mentality not yeah. being championship yeah the the, the mentality is is the thing that holds them back. Losing to teams like Sampdoria, Cagliari uh, early on in the season, that awful 1-0 game we had against Fiorentina, um, you know, a draw with Empoli. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, the midfield, Strutman Ninja and De Rossi, like, when the season started, I was too hyped on that midfield. Yeah. You know, Strutman, if he was healthy, Ninja, I thought was going to be the third best of the midfielders this season. And De Rossi's having his best season in the last few years. Yeah. Strutman's returning to form, and Nangolin is the best out of the three. I mean, Nangolin is an absolute animal out there. I mean, he's just just to start gnashing scalps on it on his neck tattoo. I mean, the guy's just just. I mean, he's a tear tattoo on his. More, more, more tattoo jokes from from for Nangolin next week. I got to write him. But <laughs> you know, I mean, this 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 mid just dominating people. Fazio playing above expectations. Rudiger bouncing back from the knee injury. Monolos, one of the best defenders in all of Europe. It's the mentality. They should be beating everybody and going just absolutely toe-to-toe with Juventus every time. I liked, uh, I think it was Fazio's agent uh, this week. There, apparently there was some interest uh, from a team in La Liga, and uh, uh, the agent came and said, uh, he's already on a premier elite team, uh, so we'll uh, uh, stay with Roma, which is heartening uh, as a Roma fan. I still say it's nice to have Salah back up front, but uh, the question comes back to me. Checo, I know he's in the Capo Cananieri race, but uh, is he an elite striker? I don't know if I if, if I could pick between him, Iguain, Icardi. I, I don't know how high he ranks on on that uh, on that list. Well, let's let's say. I mean, you have to say he's elite this year because he has 18 goals in the Serie A. I think he has another five in Europe. Um, you know, last year, unbelievably disappointing. Man City didn't let him go because they really, really thought he, you know, had great years ahead of him. Um, but more on the question, like, let's say you're going to choose next week. You're going to start Iguain, Belotti, or Jekko on your fantasy team. Who are you picking? I personally would choose Iguain. But, I mean, here's the thing about Jekyll that I think we everyone overlooks the chances that he creates. I mean, everybody says that, oh, they're tapping chances. Uh, an elite striker could could put him in. It takes an elite striker to make those chances, to, to be there all the time. He has the hold-up play, the header, you know, and quite frankly, 18 goals, golden boot nominee right now, you know, where, as, as things stand. It just, it just goes to show, and it's in his blood. It's not like this is a fluke. I mean, 
in at Wolfsburg when he was young, he scored 36 goals in all competitions. It's not like he's like getting lucky here. And if, if anything, he's getting unlucky. And he still had a couple good years with Man City before he got relevated to super sub. I, uh, I'm rooting for him, but of that list, Tad, how many of them uh, are saying no more penalties for me? I just I think you got to leave it there. Let's focus real quick on the midfield. Uh, we got a couple extra notes we wanted to mention. Nangolan got caught smoking, apparently, and just hating on Juve in a, in a media clip. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nangolan just made himself the, like, the, the, the biggest Roma player that's not a Roman yeah. in Rome. I mean, just going off, smoking a cigarette, speaking Roma nosh, going crazy, saying he'd eat his balls to beat Juventus. I mean, the, the guy is an absolute animal, and he appears to be just like Roma through and through right now. It's hilarious because, like, you know, you could definitely see that situation blowing up, it, it, you know, negatively for most players in the world, being unprofessional, all this. But since Nanguan just runs for 90 minutes harder than anybody you're just like that guy can do whatever he wants yeah it, it made me think of Chesney getting caught with a cigarette and there was a huge uproar he's a goalkeeper <laughs> it's a it's a it's not a big deal when our midfielder gets caught smoking uh up next we got De Rossi a uh, little bit of tie-in here with uh MLS he's apparently not coming NYCFC was the front runner so he could play with Pirlo uh, that seems like it's not going to happen, and he's going to sign instead a two-year deal with an option for a third back with Roma. So nothing official yet, but I think that warms all the Romanistis' heart out there. Uh, I, I have no space in my life or, or place in my heart to even entertain the idea of DeRossi not playing for Roma again. All right, so we got uh, Roma up there. They, it's neck and neck with, with Napoli. We'll talk about them next. But Roma uh, takes back second place uh, after their victory with 53 points. And my beloved Croutons down there in 19th place with 13 points. Come on, you squally. Up next, guys, we got Napoli and Genoa. This one finished 2-0, Napoli's favor. And after demolishing Bologna, Napoli beat the Griffoni. By a tame two-goal margin. That's very true for Napoli. Yep. No goals from Hamsik or Mertens. So where do they go <laughs> to get them? Zielinski, who's been a revelation of the season, another revelation. And Giacchettini, the little ant-man himself. Um, this was a pretty one-sided affair. Uh, Napoli, they had 20 shots, majority of the possession. And really, they were keeping La Mana very busy. He had six saves and a very good game. Uh, but after a goalless first half, Zielinski and Giacchettini, Ant-Man, score in the 50th and 70th minute, and they extend Genoa's winless streak to nine games. This is a team that is just, just they can't buy a win right and now. And the free, free falling. <laughs> Napoli, with their short passing game, were able to weave in and out of Genoa's stingy defense and eventually put them away. I mean, really... It's all about my race. Race. race, aka the best player in Serie A at the moment. I mean, he gets an assist, has four shots. He's the man of the match. Simeone on the other side, who they really need big performances from. He's quiet. And now, Genoa's in 16th place. Empoli hot on their tracks. I mean, like I said, these teams are lucky that the bottom three teams are way out. But, you know, Genoa, man so disappointing 
Do you think that the next time Napoli plays Roma with Fazio, Rudiger, and Mano a monolith in the back, and if they come with a, a Jacarini, Mertens, Insigne, Trident, it's going to be like whack-a-mole, like the army of the ants? Like they're just going to be trying to step on these tiny little men as they weave around? I'll tell you, man. Real Madrid has their hands full. They're going to they're gonna need to get the raid out before the game. I'm really looking forward to uh, Drace Mertens against Real. I, I really do uh, think that's going to be uh, exciting. So... Hoping for big things there. From the head coach, guys, uh, did you guys see this? Sorry, uh, Coach Sorry apparently is ready to sue some newspapers over libelous claims that he just met and talked with Juve about a potential coaching spot. Scandalous news for you guys? Sorry talking to Juve? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's, it's so, it's, it's hashtag most Italian thing ever. That like you're you're gonna sue somebody over these libelous claims, and you can see the newspaper behind there like putting this whole thing together. There's some guy at, like Corriere dello Sport that's like, wait a minute, Allegri to Arsenal. That means sorry, met with Juve and just floats that crap out there. And sorry, probably just had enough of it. And then Chris comes in, Spalletti to <laughs> the Premier League, the <to> Tottenham. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. That's ridiculous, but I did see it. Um, how about uh, we got Napoli's got the game of the week, uh, not in, in Syria, but uh, for game Champions. Game of the week. Game of the week. Champions League. Champions League. Game of the week. <laughs> they are going to Spain at the Bernabeu, and uh, we got a question here. Advantage or disadvantage to play in Madrid, Spain for the first leg of uh, this, this uh, part of the tournament? What do you guys think? You want to go to Spain first? Yeah, I definitely want to go to Spain first. I want to try my best for a result, even just a one-one draw or a or a zero, you know, just to try and get a goal, get that away goal, and then you can come back, um, have that second game at home, um, and and you know and and just have a have a comforting feeling that you're coming back home if if you get that first result. Yeah, absolutely. I always love having the away leg. Or the second game being at home, um, you you get to see you know it's almost like the future's in your hands. You know, even though you're playing both games, you know you got to feel like the San Paolo too filled up in that second leg. Man, the, uh, the and the Napoli fans have to be the rowdiest in Syria. I, I mean, yeah. they'll be throwing pizzas everywhere. I remember when. <laughs> I remember when, uh, you know, living in Italy and like when Napoli would come play Roma, they'd have to put like police officers on the trains with them and they don't half the time like ban the fans from stadiums and stuff like that. They go absolutely wild. All right. So we got Napoli in third place. They're just two points behind Roma with 51 and Genoa down there in 16th with 25. Up next, we got OTFR and Milan. This game happened today. So we're scrambling for... Uh, uh, highlights here. Story's got to be Donnarumma just absolutely standing on his head, keeping Milan in this game, and it's enough for a point in our game of the week. So we probably got to start with the lineups here. Baca, he was benched, and Motella goes with Ocampos and our Abercrombie man, Delafo. No, you know that's Summer Girl. Summer Girl. Uh, Summer Girl. That's part, uh, the lineups are relevant because Baca and Montella, they always seem to have a beef before uh, each game and, and then after. Baca said after the last one, there's no problems, I'm going to buy the team dinner. And so I have to assume, I guess that dinner hasn't happened yet because he didn't start this game. That sounds like Marco. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you dinner next time. <laughs> Cricket. 
cricket. I'll take you to dinner. Can you pay for gas? <laughs> uh, the first half is the Donnarumma show. Uh, the goalkeeper, just unbelievable saves, followed by remarkable rebound saves. I mean, he was really absolutely fantastic right until the halftime whistle blew. That's when uh, OTFR's Chiri Mobile breaks into the box, beats Milan's defense, and Donnarumma dives at the ball, but definitely clipped Immobile's legs. It w- my thought was a good call. You guys agree? Yeah, yep. it's a good call. Yeah. Uh, and so we got a PK right before uh, halftime, and Biglia converts. He's got one nothing. OTFR, 46 minute. That's the story. Cagliari? Biglia? <laughs> No, I, I, I know. I, I know it sounds wrong, but Bigly, I'm pretty sure, is that's how he says it. So uh, I, I do know in Italian, you know. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. That's, uh, it's, it sounds like Donald Trump's ideas. He's got Bigly ideas. That's right. That's right. Second half, we're going to OTFR. They are absolutely knocking at Donnarumma's door. Felipe Anderson has some great shots. But in the 85th minute, Milan's savior takes the form of Suzo. He takes a free kick pass in a box, dribbles around a little bit, Kicks a curler in, and we got 1-1. Post-game, Suzo says, quote, We didn't play a great match, and they scored in a key moment before the half. But we left everything we had out on the pitch in the second half. It's a well-earned point, and I have to agree. For Milan, uh, just well-earned. Even if it wasn't the prettiest game, you grinded it out. And that was my question for you guys. Just this Milan team, they've been up, they've been down. you have any thoughts on them, uh, do you, what you love, what you hate? For me, I love their scrappiness. I love that they're focused on getting that Europa spot and uh, banding together despite getting a weak transfer market. Um, Montella may be out every week, but I like that they're just in it and they're pretty focused on uh, finishing with a a Europa spot in mind. I mean, for me, what I love about Milan is its youth. They have a lot of really great young players, as you mentioned, a bunch, but leading them all is Donnarumma. He's, He's such an incredible player to watch. I completely agree with that. It's all about the youth for Milan and the prospects moving forward. Last bit of good news for Milan, uh, the Chinese deal, uh, the new owners seemingly held up through March, but there's reports that that's moving forward. They, they got some money, uh, some capital going to the team, which was uh, uh, needed to happen. So this looks like this is uh, moving forward. So for all the Milanisti out there, it looks like a uh, summer transfer window might be uh, more in your favor uh, because you've got some money to spend. So we got Milan here. They are in seventh place with 41 points, and OTFR right behind, right, right ahead of them, uh, in sixth place with 44 points. Up next, guys, we got Inter and Empoli. This one finishes two nothing in Inter's favor. They dig deep for a clean sheet without Icardi or Perisic for this game. Tad, you got this one. Inter start the game pressing. Skrupski opens up with just. A miraculous left-handed save off of Palacio. Uh, he looks at Palacio's Jedi braid and he said, "These are not the droids you're looking for," and swats the ball away. <laughs> um, but scoring opens up shortly after that in the 13th minute with Empoli basically their back line looking about as bad as it could. Uh, Kendravis cross is deflected. Palacio basically doinks it off the top of his head like a pee wee soccer you know, heading line. The, the, the kids are afraid of the ball. Um, and the entire Empoli team just stop and look at this ball soaring through the air like a Henry Rudin Gardner or Scuffy McGee floater, and it just lands and it bounces off Idair's chest. We got 1-0 um, interrupt. Henry Rowing? What do we got? Uh, it's rookie of the Year, son. Rookie of the Year. No, I was going to go Sandlot. Or, or, or what I like to call the uh, call the prophetic 
Rookie of the Year, where the Cubs win the where World the Cubs Series. Win. Of course, right. I'm going to love that movie. Hot Ice. Um, Skrowski pulls out, you know, another a just impossible save off a deflection that went right to Gallardini, who smokes it, but good old Trenchfoot manages to somehow put a hand on it. But then Idair come, Idair and Kandreva come, and they just show Inter's true danger with uh, Idair cross to the far post and right on Kandreva, who knocks it in the 54th minute, 2-0. You know, Inter respond with a convincing win with Icardi and Perisic out. Icardi actually had his ban upheld. He has a, a two-game ban, and Perisic will actually return next week. Um, but... Inter's ability to cross and disorient was just way too much for Empoli's defense, um, you know, and just left Skorupski totally exposed. Out of the crossing, outside of the crossing, though, in this game, guys, the, the highlight of the game was the goalkeeping. The handyman had some great skate, great saves, and, and Skorupski was really the only positive thing for Empoli. I mean, Gagliardini, for me, is the man of the match for this game. And, I mean, he puts in... This is probably, what, his third or fourth man-of-the-match performance at Inter. I mean, he's got four shots, two which require Skorupski to pull out all the stops, and Gagliardini is one of the best young players in Serie A. I mean, he's creating chances in this game. He's, I mean, I think he had five tackles. I mean, he's just everywhere in the middle. It's amazing. It's amazing. It just makes me so hopeful for Italy's future. I mean, you got him, Chiesa, uh, you got uh, Locatelli. I mean, look at these midfielders. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, with Gagliardini becoming one of the Verratti. best young talents in the Serie A, and, you know, with Kendreva and Perisic coming down that right side, all feeding up top to Icardi, is this right side of Inter as fearsome as any attack in the Serie A right now? I don't know, man. Salah. Mohamed Salah. <laughs> Okay, so we got Inter in fourth place with 45 points, and we've got Empoli down in 17th. I'm hoping that they drop down to the bottom three, but right now they're pretty safe with 22 points. They're eight points ahead of 18th place Palermo. All right, we'll take a break first and then go to middle of the pack. This week's episode of Curve America is brought to you by Sumner Furniture. Sumner Furniture are office furniture experts based in the Washington, D.C. metro area. They provide high-quality new and used office furniture for all-size jobs, ranging from just one chair to million-square-foot offices. Sumner provides space designs, commercial moves, delivered installation for projects nationwide. Check out their website, SumnerFurniture.com, or their eBay store. Contact them and mention Curve America for an additional 10% off any new or used office chair. Up first, we got Palermo and Atalanta. This one finished 1-3, Atalanta's favor. And Papu Gomez running the show here with a little help from the Rossoneri. That's right. Alejandro Go- Gomez gets a goal and assist, man of the match performance. And really, you know, Palermo just do nothing but beat themselves. Atalanta get two in the first half, but then Palermo gets one back with Chochev. Chochev or Chokev? Well, we'll call him Chochev this time since yeah, he let, scored. Let, let me text his mom real quick. That's <laughs> more fun to say. He scores in the 40th. Guys, again, you know, just 21 shots throughout the game. Uh, La Dea just completely owns possession of the ball, Barca style. 
Uh, and in the second half, it's a hard-fought battle. But Brian Cristante, he gets one in the seven, 77th minute, and it was a dime of a ball from Gomez. Do you think that Brian Cristante is the only Brian in the Serie A? There can't be two Brians in Syria. That's a good question. Brian. Yeah. Brian. Guys, Gomez, he's he's had he has like a Mertens like performance here. He gets a 10 on who scored. And really, I mean, they're basically the same player. I'd say Mertens a little bit better, but he's also on a much better team. And uh Gomez, man, this guy just is just wreaks havoc. Unreal. And it was it's interesting too, the dynamic of the attack of um, Atalanta these days because they 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 pump out Petania and and Gomez every single game. So you have like this tiny little midget next to you know, hey you guys and Lenny, who Lenny from mice of mice and men. Oh, okay, all right, there we go. That was a deep track. Hey, Jeez, maybe you guys Louise. watch movies, but I guess you don't read, huh? Yeah, I think yeah. J D. Salinger's a tear ran down the side of his cheek. Is who that even, is that even who wrote it? I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's it it's cra- must be crazy disorienting to have you know this this back to the goal lumbering guy. And Patenia, even though he doesn't score every game, creates a lot of chances. And you, tough to remember that that cat is only twenty years old, and he was effective this game. But then you got you know Papu Gomez running around amongst the trees. He's just he's just so hard to dispossess. He can change direction so quickly, just like Mertens. Man, I mean, it's, it's incredible. All oil shot goes to Papu Gomez. Papu! Alejandro! Gomez. Here we go. Chin Chin. Marco's Chin Chin brought to you by Star Hill Brewery. (laughs) Ooh, look at that. No coffee. Come on, out with it. No coffee. Out with it. All right. You're getting good at this tradition. His eyes are watering, though. That's all right. A little clear of the throat. That that counts. I don't think people, I don't think the listeners understand that. For whatever reason, whatever process they're using to make the extra virgin olive oil, it like it puts the sting in the back of your throat. You'd think it would just be smooth, but it's not. I mean, actually, you all need to know, for every person that posts on our Twitter page or our Facebook page a picture of you taking a shot of olive oil, Marco will take a shot, will match the shot of olive oil. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> all right. I just signed you up for that, Marco. <laughs> Okay, so we got Atalanta here. They are tied on points with Inter at 45. They're in fifth. And we got Palermo down there in 18th with 14. Chris, where's Palermo? On the motherland down in Sicilia. Marco, where's Palermo? In the danger zone. <laughs> Up next, we got Fiorentina and Udinese. This one finished 3-0. Laviola, Fiorentina, making a middle-of-the-pack statement with a 3-0 win at home. Uh, right at half, Valero, Fiorentina's uh, new striker because it's his first goal of the season, uh, catches a rebound, rebound off Bernadeschi's crossbar shot, slots at home, fall on the volley, far net, and uh, first goal of the season, congrats to Valero. And that opens it up for the home team. we got to jump all the way to the second half for Babacar, uh, getting the second one of the game. He maintains possession in the buildup, up to the net, gets a turn sh- a turn shot, and his shot deflects off Udinese's Samir Santos. Total change of direction, and you feel bad for uh, Udinese's goalkeeper, Carnezes, here. Just doesn't stand a chance. Completely went to the other side of the net. 2 nothing in the 62nd minute. Yeah, but Babacar, I mean, he's a young player who is dangerous every time you see him on the field. 
I'm just amazed that it's taken this long for him to heat up because Fiorentina in the beginning of the season, I don't think was giving him... I mean, they should be revolving his attack around him. Kalinic, yeah, great player, but Babacar, also very good. Yeah, and he would get his chances in Europa and would score like every game in the Europa, if not two. Final game from uh, final goal from uh, Bernadeschi's PK. Feel the burn. Fofana gets called for a handball in the box during a free kick, no less. Uh, and it's three nothing. There's your final score in the 80th minute. Post game comments: Udinese's Del Neri. His quote: "Europe, Europe is not our objective this season. We want to improve, and time will tell if we have other ambitions. But this year, let's just secure safety and work with focus." That's the question for you guys. If your coach says this while your team is 15 points away from the top, the, the closest Europa spot, do you accept reality and just punt on the season? Well, I think um, the one journalist that was in the post game asking Del Neri questions is like, yeah, well, let's ask him what he thinks about Europe. Who got cut in the preseason <laughs> for the team. But seriously, I mean, from just from an American perspective, right? I mean, if your coach said this and you got like half a season left, how do you guys feel? You, you're happy with that? All right. So long as we don't st- go to Serie B, we're, we're okay with this season. Playoffs? Yeah. Playoffs? Udinese is the team that just flips players. You know, they, they're the type of team that's like not necessarily shooting for Europe at this point and definitely not shooting for a higher finish. So... Let's just get through the rest of the season, you know, stay healthy and see uh, what kind of deals we can make in the offseason. I mean, they're they're just that type of team. Yeah, got to be tough for the fans on that one, but I guess you got to accept reality. Um, how about for uh, Souza? Uh, he had some comments after the game as well. It's a difficult game for us. Udinese is strong. They got good flank play, good on set plays, and they're they're very tall. Uh, question for them. Sousa's been on and off the hot seat all season. We've been talking about it. Have you seen enough uh, to put him in the conversation to be uh, a coach for a top four club? Juve is always the front runner uh, on, on the uh, rumors around Sousa. Well, Sousa's had a tough go this year, and he's obviously had games where he's just been terrible. He's been feuding with management and whatnot. But you need to remember, long-term, Sousa is one of the most respected coaches in Italy. And so anytime a vacancy opens up for any team in Serie A, his name's going to be at least in the discussion. Definitely. I'm surprised at that. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought he was going to get fired in the beginning of the first half of the season, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, glad that uh, Fiorentina, Fiorentina pulled this one out. Fiorentina, though, they play Milan next week. Battle of the struggling mid-table teams with your aspirations. Who do you guys think is going to take this one? I actually think this is going to be a tie. Last week I said OTFR and Milan were going to tie. I think this is going to be the same situation. My, I'm going to go with the flavor of the week here with Milan just being scrappy. I just like what I see. I like how they're playing. With the caveat, unless Josh Perez plays here for Fiorentina, the sole American in Syria, I'm going to say Milan takes this game one nothing. I'm going to go the other way, guys. I think that Fiorentina is going to win this game. I think that uh, despite Kalanich this week saying he didn't go to China because uh, uh, he wasn't worth the money they're going to pay for him, him and Bernadeschi are due for their double whammy game. Double whammy game. And it's going to be too much for Donnarumma. All right, we'll see. Fiorentina is just one point behind Milan this week in eighth place. Fiorentina's got 40 points. And... And Udinese, way down there in 12th with 29 points, not looking to Europa. 
Up next, we got Torino and Piscata. This one finished with a uh, lot of goals in this one. 5-3, Torino's favor. Torino, the latest squad to bag three points against the Delfini in an eight-goal thriller. Yep, and uh, Belotti, there he is again. He takes his tally to the 17, and really, Bizzarri, he had a game to forget. <laughs> Guys, in a league that is historically known for a lack of goals, I mean, this season it seems like we're treated to a couple shootouts at least every other week. And it's like 5-3, Torino Pescara. Like, are you kidding me? You know, it's amazing. I mean, for the casual viewer of Serie A, this happens all the time, <laughs> right, guys? I mean, Falke scores in the opening minute of the game, but you know in the stats it always, for some reason, says like uh, a minute after that. So it says the second minute in the stats, but it was in the first minute and a half or so of the, of the game. And then Ajeti and Belotti follow suit. Torino's up 3 nothing in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Unreal. It's only after the fifth goal scored by Belotti in the second half that Ajeti decides, oh, you know, I'm going to mess it up again because he, he had some trash happen last week. I'm going to score an own goal. And then all of a sudden, Ben Ali, the bald rat, awakens to grab a brace. I mean, it's just kind of indicative of Torino's season. You know, they're the better team and they get the job done, but lack of focus towards the end of the game is just showing that's why they're in ninth place. Five points from eighth. 10 points from Europe, and the way they started the season, you would have expected more, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this game is just like a Metamucil nightmare. I mean, just <laughs> like, like a fever dream going back and forth. I mean, Ajeti is working his way up to, I think next week he's got to full-on whiff the ball, land on his back, and knock it in with the back of his head past Joey Bag of Donuts. But yeah, I mean, so much high hopes going to this. I really think that um, Benassi has underperformed this season. I thought we were going to expect a lot more out of him. And the fact that they have to rely on Yayich <laughs> says a lot. Yeah, I, I'm super grateful that we survived the transfer market with uh, Joey Bag of Donuts, but you got to concede, right? The English goalkeeper is playing in Serie A, and he's playing for Torino, the ninth-place team. If, if the English papers are only fo following Joey Bag of Donuts, this is not the team that you want them to follow. Well, if anybody is going to be following this team, it's for sure not Joey Bag of Donuts. Even though he has been linked to Liverpool and stuff like that, you're going to be following Balotti. And a lot of articles coming out this week about how Balotti is the new face of Italian soccer. I mean, 22 years old, 16, what, he's got 17 goals in the, in the Serie A. Is he the new face of Italian soccer? You know what? Yeah, I think he is, and he. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. Like, look at him. Like, when when was the last time you saw a big powering forward like like Belotti in the Serie? A? You know, just like a. I mean, I think he plays for Atalanta. His name's Patania, but he doesn't have seventeen goals in the Serie. A. It's just he. He's got pace. He's got skill. He's got power. Big oh yeah. And uh, he's got a cool celebration and nickname. So what more could you ask for? I think that he's going to end up uh, top three goal scorers in the league. Uh, probably not the top goal scorer in the league just because the team he plays on. But, guys, besides having five goals pumped on him, Bizzari at the end of the game, he just gives up two comical goals, like right down the middle. He does some wild diving save to the side. Completely unnecessary. Really makes a meal out of it. And Pescara, guys, 
it's almost the end of the line. They got the next four games against mediocre competition. And after that, Atalanta, Milan, they're donezo. Yeah, Poor be, Dolphins. I think Bizzare put a little bit of grappa in his, in his water bottle at halftime. He, he, he was totally out of it. Too much can Dolphin. All right. So we got <clears throat> Torino, ninth place with 35 points. And we've got Pescara at the very, very bottom of the league with nine points, 20th place. Keep moving on here. We've got Sampdoria and Bologna up next. This one finished 3-1 to one in Sampdoria's favor. Sampdoria punched Bologna right in the gut with three goals in the last 15 minutes in this one. Just tough for the Bologna fans out there. The streaking Sampdoria. Yeah, so Bologna seems like they want to be sponsored by a highlighter company here because uh, it seems to be a trend in the league this year. They, they got their bright neon yellow third kits on in this game. It's like watching 10 minions running of, running around the field out there. Uh, but the 18th minute, Zemaili opens up the scoring with the home team. Goal of the week candidate for me. Just another just rocket right to the corner or outside the box. Fantastic goal. Uh, and an interesting goal celebration, uh, like dust his shoulders off or something. I, uh, impressive goal, not a great goal celebration. If you're feeling like a pimp, go and dust his shoulders off. Zemaili dust his shoulders off. So from there, we got to jump all the way to the end of the game in the 82nd minute. Bologna's got a handball on the box by a guy we've talked about countless times on this pod, Eric Polgar. And it's our old friend from Sampdoria, guys, babyface killer. Mercurial Muriel stepping up to the PK and slots it home to the side netting. DaCosta, the goalkeeper for Bologna, doesn't even dive. Just watches it go. And uh, there you go for, for Muriel. Uh, quickly ran. Picked up the ball out of the end, outside of the goal, and it's pretty clear here. Sampdoria is going for the win. 83rd minute, just a minute later, we got our super sub, the Razor Man, Patrick Schick. He finishes the breakaway on the late lead. And finally in this game, you got insult to injury as Bologna's Ibrahima Mbaye slides to break up a play in the box and scores on an own goal. So, Guys, it seems like every week we're talking about Bologna's Ibrahima Mbaye. Just just a rough game for uh, the Bologna fans out there. After the game, head coach Donadoni, he paraphrases, I'm paraphrasing here, but the refs were incompetent and the penalty should not have been given. Didn't look like an intentional uh, to me. What do you guys think? Was This is a 50-50 call for me. What do you guys think? Warranted? Yeah, I think it's warranted. Yeah, every once in a while you just got to suck it up, Donadoni, and admit that it was a foul. Uh, yeah, so he's blaming it on, uh, that kind of, that goal being a game changer because obviously all the rest of the goals, uh, followed after that. We'll see. Shit came off the bench for this one, uh, for Sampdoria. He's got five goals on the season, guys. Any, any thoughts? Uh, he, he deserves a starting spot after, uh, what we've seen from him so far. Well, he's been uh, battling some injuries lately, so they don't think they want to give him full time. They bring him on towards the end of the game when he can have the biggest impact. But uh, early on the season, he was starting a lot. He's super fast. He's young. He's creative. I mean, he's definitely in their starting eleven. Yeah, he's 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 been very dangerous. I think that he he's earned it. All right, we got Sampdoria in tenth place. They're right behind Torino. They got thirty three points, and we got Bologna down there in fourteenth with twenty seven. So definitely middle of the pack game right there. Last game for week twenty four. Chievo and Sassuolo. This one finished 3-1 in Chievo's favor, and it's another common character for us. Bobby English, Roberto Inglese. Tad, go ahead, man. 
Yeah, Bobby English lets the townsfolk of Verona know that this soccer thing just might be a career for him. But it starts, I mean, he basically starts off his game as not as Bobby English, but as Bobby Welsh. Because um, he actually gets the immediate impact. He gets Timo Leshirt, who is apparently a successful defender. Maybe, maybe not. Sweet beard, though, opposite of the Razor Man Schick. Um, gets him sent off in the in right in the second minute. Steps up as a PK. Bobby English had a hat trick in this game. This PK was not one of those goals. <laughs> Doinks it. And uh, uh, so we have a 10-man side of Sassuolo going against an 11-man side of Chievo. And actually, the Matrix man himself opens up the, the scoring 20 minutes later, um, scores on a rebound, and 10-man Sassuolo's up 1-0. But that's when Walter Biersa and Bobby English get their set-piece game rocking. Between the 39th minute and the 67th minute, Bobby Inglese bangs himself a hat trick. Two of them served up on set by on set pieces by Birsa. Game over, 3-1. No way you're going to come back uh, down 3-1 with the 10-men side. Sassuolo just, just, just looked like a distant, distant team from last year's Cinderella team. Um, no one on Sassuolo looked good at all. Berardi was super pedestrian. Politano was meh. I mean, Matri scored a goal, and it's still like, eh. So, I mean, just they, they, they get they get beat down. Those two guys are out for me at the end of the season. Politano and uh, Berardi, just way too much talent for a team that's just been so bad some part of this, this season. It sucks, you know. We all we all had big hopes for him. And still nothing with DeFrancesco. You guys still think not going to make a change there. He's still a hot coach. You're going to have to start thinking the Serie A that he's going to start worrying about his job. But Di Francesco is a young talent, so he's got future in the Serie A. Um, Cesar is again, like they've been ravaged with injury um, this game. They go down to 10 men and then just absolutely phone it in from then on. I think Marco's right. He keeps bringing up this point that the bottom three are just so bad. Sassuolo must be thanking their lucky stars because they're not really in a relegation fight. with 13th uh, place with 27 points. Uh, that's their saving grace because they have not been playing good soccer. Kievo is actually above them uh, in 11th place with 32 points. So that's how uh, week 24 ends right there. How does Kievo have 30 plus points? <laughs> All right, guys, your favorite segment, relegation zone, also known as the danger zone. Uh, we don't have any games this week. Uh, we've we've kind of talked about all the uh, bottom three already in the previous games. So we're just going to jump right to week 24 in the awards. Starting off with the best goals of the week. What do you guys got? I'm going to give it to Fatboy G. Makes, I mean, more for his 90-yard run for the ball. I mean, guys, for all the slack that he's getting for being a little chubby-chubby, he makes a 90-yard run, gets the ball, he's off balance and scores almost like a toe poke to the back corner of the goal. Beautiful shot. Fat boy G. I'm going to stick with the ninja. Uh, he basically takes on the entire back line of Crotone by himself. It's really odd watching this game at 6.30 in the morning on BN because they didn't have any commentary on. So you're just <laughs> listening to the sound of the stadium, and he basically like gets the ball, spins around, turns and looks, and he's like, oh, no one's here going to stop me. Doink. And then, then you hear, then you hear like a guy open up a bag of peanuts in the third row, and everyone just go, "Oh, Dio!" Uh, just Crotone. <laughs> Poor croutons. 
I'm going to go with Bologna here. Their one saving grace of the game here. Zimbali with just an absolute ripped shot. Great way to start the game, even though they got punched in the gut uh, in the game. Uh, still a great goal. You hear a baby being born in the Crouton Hospital right after Ninja scores that goal. Up next, uh, we got uh, save of the week, the other side of the uh, of the uh, field. Uh, what do you guys got for the goalkeepers? It was really hard for me to pick this one. Buffon had a good one. Skrupski was on his head this game. But I'm going to give it to Raphael because he had a doink. And, uh, but he has a recovery from a Mansukic hitting the woodwork uh, against Cagliari. And Dybala comes in for a rebound header. And he climbs out of the net and slaps it away right at the goal line. And a perfect opportunity for Syria to use the goal line technology. Save. That. Raphael, enjoy yourself. Mine's uh, just going to be Donnarumma. I mean, Milan owes their point to his uh, effort uh, uh, this game. Uh, just really took care of OTFR. Overall, great game. I know he gave up the pe- the penalty, but uh, he was the player of the week for me. Joe Hart for me, big save against Caprari. Ball looks like it's going to the opposite corner as it comes across his body. He hits it with the inside of his foot and... Look, Joe sprawls out. It's a beautiful save. Joey the heartbreaker. This time around, he's uh, saving the team. All right, guys. We got a bunch of action this week coming up uh, between Europa champions and Week 25. Hope everyone enjoys it out there. Happy Valentine's Day. And until next week, guys, we say... Arrivederci. Un bacione. Ciao. Ciao.